Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void website for details. All right. Welcome to this episode of Xenoforce Reborn. I'm your host, Doug Bindo, and today we're doing a live cast. I've got Azusa here, and we are going to be doing a live cast of Xenoforce Reborn. How you doing, everybody? So, um, we're going to, you know, mix it up again today, um, just like we did in the last uh, episode that we did, uh, which was pretty successful, at least by download standards it was. Um... Real quick, I know that you guys did not get a pre-recorded episode until much, much later on, and the reasoning for that was the fact I was supposed to be doing, like, my Robotech fan podcast, which I did go to do that, and then I did, like, a Xenoforce Reborn podcast, wasn't too big on the Xenoforce Reborn, so I kind of, like, just scratched that episode, and then did, like, another episode on top of that, that's what I did, um... And, and that's why you had that, like, length of time delay kind of thing. Uh, just keep in mind that even if I do a pre-recorded episode, if something does change or if I feel that it's just not what I want it to be, um, then, of course, I just I, I don't put it out there. That, that's what it is. Um, so sometimes I'll turn around and say, ah, we're going to do this. And then what happens is something changes, and then it just doesn't make sense to do that. Or sometimes I'll be thinking, okay, I just did this episode here, and now, you know, that I've taken an hour and a half of my life, to dedicate it to this, you know, conversation, I'm going to post it up, and then, of course, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, ah, you know what, I just don't want to do this, because it doesn't, it doesn't seem right for the mood that's being set throughout either the events that are happening, or so on and so forth. So, um, that's why... Right, and, it, well, I was going to say, to be fair, and also, part of it's not Doug's fault, there are times where he'll spend, and this is one of those things where the way Doug does things and the way I do things kind of don't interact properly. He does audio recordings to me, which works really well for me. I understand exactly what he's saying, and then I translate it over to written text to however you want to put it. But a lot of times Doug will do an audio recording, and then once he's done with it, he's getting ready to stand it up, I'll send him a text message saying, hey, by the way, this is what I'm thinking. And he's like, oh, well, fuck, I just wasted two hours telling you something completely different that won't work if we do what you're talking about and what you're talking about works better. So that kind of hurts the whole Xenoforce Reborn pre-recorded thing sometimes. So to that end, I apologize, but it's just the way we do things. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that primarily deals with, I want to say, workflow and stuff like that. And uh, this week actually was a was a great week of that because I kind of forgot that I, I did send you, you know, um, you know, uh, like two audios that were pretty lengthy, and th the narrative for each audio, uh, the first two had to be, and these were pre-recorded by the way, um, had to be constructed in a certain uh, way, and then the third one that I did after he gave me the response, I was like, okay, now I'm ready for the third one. Because the third one was going to be so drastically different from the first two in terms of how I was going to shape that narrative that 
had Ryan actually, shall we say, agreed, okay, or basically had a consensus with the first two, there definitely would have been no sense of doing the third. So, in a way, I guess the best way to look at it, it's kind of like going out to, uh, it's like going out to dinner, you know, and it's like, okay, you've got McDonald's, you've got Burger King, like one of those two that you could do, or you've got off to the side, like the Chinese restaurant, you know, so it's like, okay, well, if you start talking about, you know, burgers and fries, then obviously there's no reason to be talking about a Chinese restaurant, um, unless you do that kind of thing at a Chinese restaurant, I don't know, um, but otherwise it comes down to the, you know, the BK or, you know, the, uh, the Golden Archers, that's what it is, so that's the best way I could sit up here and craft that for you, um, because I, I know that, like, uh, in terms of the downloads and stuff, it picked up, you know, and I know once when you guys start getting into that, you want to have more, but more comes at a price, you know, and the price is it has to stay good, not go downhill. Um, I can remember quite a few podcasters in my time that got good, you know, and I, and I say that very loosely here, got good, but then what happens is they start producing more and more stuff, and their stuff becomes lower quality because they're trying to fill a demand that they can't fill. Um, it's in the same way that if you looked at YouTubers, you know, you got YouTubers that blow up, they're really big, and then it's like, okay, how do I sit up here and feed this concept of 300 million views a month or some crazy shit like that, okay, um, for, for whatever that's worth. Um, but, yeah, that's that's just to, uh, you know, take care of that part. Um, but, Ryan, I'm going to hand it over to you now. Cool. So, this podcast is going to work, and, again, it's a little bit different way than we're normal. We are going to talk about the Xenoforce Reborn mod. I mean, that's why we're here. But we're going to start with, I guess I want to call it, Retail World, and then move on to the Xenoforce Reborn mod, and then we're going to end in Doug's favorite location, which is apparently the footsteps of uh, Richard Simmons. So, Doug, starting off, I want to know from a Best Buy employee's point of view what you think about H.H. Gregg going out of business considering that Best Buy put Circuit City out of business originally. But I don't know if I could say you guys put H.H. Gregg out of business or they just failed because they sucked. Well, it's interesting you say that. Uh, it's interesting that you say that. Okay, all right, so... And I do want to point out real quick that Doug did not know that I was going to bring this topic up real quick, guys. This isn't like a pre-recorded setup. No, it's not. It's not at all. Uh, it's, it's funny that you say that, um, and here's the reason why. At one point, well, I actually grand opened an H.H. Craig store. Um, I did. So I am uh, so I. In, in Ohio, um, and then you re-grand yep. opened that store that I grand opened at a different location. Yes, I did. Yes, that's right. Yes, I did. This is how crazy this is. You know what? That's why you're asking me this question. I thought you were going to ask me another question about Best uh, <laughs> Buy. That I, I was totally prepared for, um, but this question, yeah, honestly, yeah, this is, this is a curveball. Okay, so here, here's what I think. Um, it's for the reason that I, I left it. That, that's why I think. I think it comes down to this. 
here's what happened. H.H. Gregg, when it first started off, was a when it first came uh, to Ohio, was a great company. Um, what happened was it had great people. And by, I would say, modern retail standards, those people still hold their weight in gold. They were phenomenal uh, individuals. They brought their best over. And at this time, I was also the best at Best Buy. Okay, so it was, like, really interesting to meet people that were, like, that I could look at and say, these people are at my same level. Now, when I talk about being the best at Best Buy, I'm talking about being able to say that from, like, an actual metric standpoint. I'm not saying this from the standpoint of saying, oh, you know what, I, I just think I'm the best, da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da. I mean, a lot of people sit up here and say that shit. I actually have numbers to actually prove it, okay? They're, you know, on actual paper that, that show that. Um, although we are non-commissioned. So I'll throw that as, out as a disclaimer for anybody who listens to this and then says, wait a second here, you know, they are on commission. That's why they try to get me to buy all this nonsense. Um, that you might think is nonsense. That believe it nonsense, but you don't see it that way because you just don't want to spend your money. Okay, um, but to make a long story short, uh, it was a different side of retail, okay? I came from a non-commissioned platform, went to a commission platform, didn't do bad there, but what happened to H.H. Gregg was it was the management. The management just, they, they brought in these people who were great managers, and then, and they all came from, like, Indiana, right? They all came from Indiana, and then they allowed... Which was weird, but yeah. They allowed the people from Sun TV, who had just got wiped out by Best Buy, okay? So before Circuit City went down, Sun went down, um... Yeah, they allowed uh, they allowed those people to take all their management positions, and it was done like in a hostile takeover, like right before my eyes. You know, it was just the stupidest stuff I had ever seen. It, there was no rhyme or reason, and this is one of the big differences between working in a commission environment versus working in a non-commission environment. In a commission environment, you can get rid of whoever you want to, however you want to, just for whatever reason. There are really no rules. It's like the law, the jungle, the survival, the fittest. You know, in a sense, I would almost say that they, yep. you you don't even really get fired as much as you leave. There are no set schedules, essentially. Like, you come in when you want to, you work when you want to. If you don't work, you just simply don't make sales, and then you don't eat. That is like a true, honest-to-God, unadulterated commission environment. And that's exactly what H.H. Gray was. Well, the, hold on, hold on. Because you got to remember, I went into H.H. Craig after you did. You did H.H. Craig, you went back to Best Buy, you taught me at Best Buy when I went to H.H. Craig. Right? Yeah. We can agree with that? Yeah. Okay. When I was at H.H. Craig, it wasn't quite that way. And that, I think, goes towards where they failed. Because when I was there, they had set schedules, you had to work these hours, not only that, if you came in at 9 a.m. and you were scheduled to work 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., and let's say in the first hour and a half that you were there, you made $2,500 in commission sales. Now, Doug, you know me, and I know you. If you made $2,500 in a single hour, would you like to go home for the rest of the day? Hell yeah. That's what would be happening. I'd be out. <laughs> right. 
I would, that's what I said. I want out. I already made my money. I'm good. Somebody else can make the rest of the money. Nope. I had to stay there for the rest of the day, and I made zero dollars for the rest of the day. Giant waste of time. And I think that hurt HH Club as much as anything, where they hurt their employees by forcing them to work when they did not want to. And on my days off, I had one Sunday out of every two Sundays I got off a month, I had to go to a mandatory meeting that I would not get paid for. I remember those. And you can't, you can't pitch your workforce off that way. No, you're right. You can't do that. So... But go ahead. Continue. Oh, no, I was going to say, management was one problem. Um, that was the first thing. Uh, now, I will tell you how I handled uh, my commission. What I did... And this was one of the really cool things about a commission environment, is the fact that you could set the, the, the store up. Now, remember, I worked in a raw condition, or commission environment, a highly raw one, which Ryan simply just showed you the yep. contrast between what I was doing and what he was doing. Um, but, like, I could put up... Well, I know. I was still raw commission as well. No, 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 no. I'm talking about just in terms of scheduling and stuff like that. Like, like in terms of scheduling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I had to show up, but there wasn't a set time that I had to show. It's just like, I had to, you know, show up, um, at, at least for some moment of the day. Uh, but the way you would do your demos, um, like for example, I could bring in like an entire collection of something. Like, let's say for example, I wanted to show off like a, a television or something like that. Okay. Um, most people are retarded and they'd probably try to choose top gun and then would get, you know, sued for it because you're not allowed to do that my smart ass was smart enough to bring in something like you know a uh shall we say more of a a um like a cult classic um or like some anime or something like that and like literally you know that that's exactly how the stuff would work it's like you could demo things the way that you wanted to demo them in the way that you thought was actually best uh demoed you know, so like, for example, if, if I were going to sit up here and talk about like a, a monitor, okay, and if I was going to show how great the colors of a monitor were, all right, I'm not going to sit up here and try to play a movie on a monitor. That is stupid. What I would do is I'd probably put some anime on there that is not, shall I say, like over somebody's head uh, or anything like that, but just gets the theme across of what I want to have, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the other thing about it was that working at H.H. Gregg, you not only had to be your own salesperson, but you also had to be your own technical support, you know? So, like, if you sold a computer, yeah. and the computer breaks down, you know what you're doing? You're fixing that computer. That's what you're doing, because you want that shit to stay out. In the same way that if you wanted to take sales from Best Buy, all right, what you would do is you would sell computers, then upgrade computers, and then, you know, do your stuff that way. So you can see the kind of commission salesperson I was, Ryan. So now, now you can see why at Best Buy... I was able to sit up here and sell those, you know, CTOs, or if you were going to sell an e-machine or whatever the hell it was, I'd like pop a fucking video card in that bitch. Uh, yeah, this all happened. This all started at HH Craig. Right. Well, <laughs> and that makes perfect sense. When I was at HH Craig, though, the show, why me and you get along so well? For what you were, Doug, I would have been your counterpart. That's not what I did. I grabbed a hold of the accessory. Division basically, and I made it my own. 
I made a custom CD back in 2003, which was pretty big at the time, that had its own different clips from different movies and animes that had different surround sound effects depending on which one you were picking. And I grabbed the accessory market. I remember once in a day I sold $750 in accessories alone. Which, you know, that's just cables. That's just the adapters. That's huge for a retail environment. And then I would team with somebody that would just sell the TVs, but they couldn't sell the accessories. And it became a tag team. It was simple. They sold the TV. I sold the accessories. We put each other on the back ends of each other's deals. And neither of us would have to go to the stupid goddamn meetings every Saturdays and Sundays because we were both hitting our numbers. That makes a lot of sense. It does. It, it, look, I'm not, I'm not disputing it one way or another. I mean, as far as what you're talking about, um, because eventually what happened was, in, in the way that it worked for me, was the competition itself was just too. It, it wasn't too much for me. That, that definitely wasn't it. But it was just there were people who were emotionally invested in that. In, in that environment at a level that I simply was not. That I, I'd simply never be. Agreed. Um, and that's because Agreed. it came from the previous, you know, commission culture of Sun TV. So I will say this. It was a great experience. I met great people there. I would definitely say I've met some of the very best or what I've seen in terms of best salespeople in my life um, there in their own given environment. Um, but product selection and management cannot basically be outweighed by the skills of a salesperson, meaning that if you don't have the right product selection there, it's not going to matter. And if you have management that basically just kills your drive or they ask you to do something that they themselves cannot do. You know, again, it um, it doesn't uh, it, it doesn't matter, and, and I think ultimately that's what ultimately killed H. H. Craig. The other thing was, it's just the recycling of of you know different retail associates. Like you're picking up people from you know Best Buy, or from Sun TV, or from Kmart, or from wherever. You know, um, and they're disenfranchised at that location, so they go to your location until they get disenfranchised at your location, then they go back to the other location, so on and so forth. You know, um, because I knew a lot of uh, H.H. Gray's management and stuff like that simply because, you know, I worked at, obviously, at Best Buy, and <laughs> I knew exactly why they ended up at H.H. Gray. Well, I, I mean, aside from you. Um, I mean, so it, it wasn't really a surprise. Well, no, 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 I was going to say... Right, well, I was going to say, my experience working with you, and I'm knowing your, at the time, you were my boss, knowing your uh, expectations really did help when I went to H.H. Gregg, because when I went there, it definitely was a great experience. I loved the fact that I worked there. I liked the people I worked with. I learned a lot more working in that commission environment than I really would expect anyone to learn from a non-commission environment. I think all real salespeople should work at least a full year in a commission environment 
to get a hold of their tradecraft. This is the one I'm looking looking for. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. But looking at Walmart, I, there's only one person that I work with right now that I can point out and go, that person's a sales per- salesperson. Everybody else that I work with is a clerk. No matter how they want to window dress it, they're clerks because they don't care about the customer one bit. They just want to get the person what they ask for and get them out the door because they don't want to deal with them. And that's not a salesperson. You can't do that at H.H. Greg. You would do that at H.H. Greg, you would never make any money. Yeah, I I will definitely say this. H.H. Um, Greg's ultimate downfall is its, its, its inability to adapt in the right ways. It is. Like, one can make the argument that you don't need to have a naked uh, commission sales environment like the one that I experienced. Um, and that partly could be due to the fact that it was a, gr- it was just this, they were opening up in the market. I mean, like, it, it could be that back in Indianapolis, they had, like, a standard operating platform that worked entirely different than what was there, you know, what I was dealing with. And, and like I said, I, I loved it. It's just, there were people who were emotionally invested in that scenario in a way that, you know, just, it was not going to be a long-term thing, and I saw that for what it was. And then, of course, obviously I was right. In the same way, I think, like, your your Walmart is, like, the exact opposite of H.H. Craig. It's, it's like every associate is to their island. Like, when I go into a Walmart, um, and every Walmart obviously is different. Um, I mean, like, in no way on earth can you sit up here and compare a Walmart that is in a demographic uh of an average income of, we'll say, about, you know, 25000 to a demographic of where the population's average uh, household income is about 150000 okay? So, obviously, you have different uh, experiences there, and, and, and that just goes for that without saying. Um, so, I'm not going to make a blanket statement on it, although I guess I still could if I wanted to. But regardless of that, um, my biggest thing about Walmart is... It's just, it's not even so much the associates as it is the mismanagement when I actually go there. Like, they have their meetings right up in front of the produce section at, like, 9 in the morning or 8.30 in the morning. And I'm thinking to myself, people are trying to buy produce. Why the hell are you guys all in their way? Like, no one does this. Uh, I went in there yesterday. Like, I kid you not, yesterday. It, it, it just real quick, this lady's like, you know, why are these carts here? Like, there were, there's like two carts sitting in the closer back of the store, and the the person says, ma'am, I'm not an associate here, I'm a vendor. And clearly, he was like a Pepsi guy. And she's up here yelling at him, and she's like, oh, and then she starts yelling on her like little walkie-talkie thingy, whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, why don't you just take those damn carts up to the front? In the time that you went through all this drama, literally, I got from the back of the store where I picked up my Powerade to, which is another problem, to all the way back up to the front, I could still hear before I got to the checkout, and it was like, this just makes no sense. But I I see this as like a normal thing. It's like the amount of laziness is there. It's like, it's a cart. Push it. It's two carts. Push it. If you, like, clearly... There's like 200 people in the store, probably. Maybe 200 people in the store. You're the only person affected by these carts. There's nobody else up here talking about these carts. You know, and you don't even know if they're customer carts. 
You know, I mean, I mean, like, you just don't know. Not that I'm trying to argue. Oh no, I know what you mean. The validity of whether the company will exactly. be there or not by the company standard. It's just right, no, no. worst case scenario. You leave the cart there. I, customer comes by, says, "I forgot to grab a cart." Grabs that cart and then just goes buy some stuff. You know, that, that's all I'm saying. Right. No, I understand what you mean, and I'll put it to you like this, Doug. My store is considered one of the, uh, I guess you'd call them a golden child of the area. I can believe it. <laughs> my district manager came from my store, so he normally brings people to the store a lot because this was his old store and he knows how we run things here. I would say about half of what we do goes against Walmart's standard operating procedures because we know it doesn't work and it hurts us more than it helps us. Which is why one of our stores is one of the most, you know, effective stores in the area. I get people from a hundred miles away that drive all the way to our store to get help with wireless stuff because the stores near them don't do it. We're not supposed to do it. We're not even supposed to know how to do it. But I run wireless. I know what I'm doing, and I make sure my people know what they're doing as well. And that saves something when you drive past four Walmarts to get to our Walmart. And that's not even just Walmarts. They're passing, you know, Verizons, AT&Ts, other Walmarts, Best Buys to get here to get help because... These people will help us. No one else will. And it's not just wireless. It does it. The photo lab does it. Electronics does it. I've seen our produce people go what I would consider way above and beyond what a normal person would request. I mean, we're talking about someone coming up to a random produce person saying, listen, I've got this thing going on and I need a hundred bananas next week. Can you order them? Most places are going to be like, if they're on the shelf, you can have them, go for it. But otherwise, you're out of luck. No, our store will go ahead and do a manual order, get that person's number, write it down on a piece of paper, and then call them when it comes in to let them know their bananas are in. Walmart doesn't do that normally. Yep, that sounds like a, that sounds like my store. Sounds like my store. Except, obviously... But going back... Well, I was just... Oh, go right ahead. I was just... I was just like, go, yeah, going back to what I was originally asking, how do you feel about taking out the mighty HH Greg, which was the only other high-end retailer? Because I will not begin to say that a Walmart is a high-end retailer versus Best Buy. Oh, this is the way I feel about that. But HH Greg's the only other high-end... Oh, yeah, I mean, you're... You guys just took out the last big domino. Now you got to take out the swarm. See, okay, so here, here well, here's swarm. Here's my thing. I never liked the idea of taking out Circuit City. I don't like the idea of taking out HH Greg because then what that does is that leaves you with Walmart, Sam's Club, which is still Walmart, Amazon, and. Shall we say, like, B&H, New Egg, Tiger Direct, we stick all those guys in one other category. Okay, 
so what it really does is it opens your consumer up to other options, but other options in a sense of gaining an awareness of those options, which is what the problem is. That, that's the problem right there. It's all right to want to be number one. It does you no good to be number one if you're going to end up shooting yourself in the head based on who you'll have to face as your next number two. You know, that's that's what the problem is. It's like, <laughs> it'd be like a Dragon Ball Z saga. I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's like a Dragon Ball Z saga when I think about it, all right? You know, you want to... I, I would have put it that far. What? As far as what? You're going to call it... Well, no, I wouldn't call it a Dragon Ball Z saga. I would call it a, um... God, I don't know what I would call it. I was going to go more with a StarCraft analogy. Because if Walmart is anything, it's the Zerg. If Best Buy and H.H. Gregg or anything, they'd be Protoss. You know, they're the one unit that does a ton of damage fighting a thousand units that do a little bit of damage, but the fact is that one unit just can't deal with a thousand enemy units. Yeah, yeah you're right. You guys are just speaking out numbers. That, and that's correct. And, and that goes yeah, right. the fact that, okay, yeah. Well, I was just, yeah, I was just saying, and the fact that H.H. Gregg is gone now, who else is there in the Northeast? Because I know you got Costco's and stuff like that out west. Yes, Best Buy still has to deal with Micro City, but Micro City and Best Buy are two completely different animals, I guess I'll say. The only other people that I think you guys have to deal with are going to be the Walmarts and the, and the Sam's Clubs and stuff like that. And that comes back to the, you guys don't want our customers, but at the same time, we're going to outnumber you three to one. That, yeah, you're right. You're, you're correct. Though, like, not to offend people who shop at Walmart or anything, but ever since, <laughs> and, and understand something, I, I want to try to tread this lightly. <laughs> ever since, Ever since bigger retailers have tried to compete with Walmart in the market, they have lowered the standard of their product line to do so. So here's how it works. Just just real quick so you guys can understand the math here. All right. As a retailer, realistically, at best, you can only get, you can only get basically a product line that can run about, 70 to 80% of the market. Okay? Now, that's important to understand. All right? Idealistically, it happens like this. You're either going to cut off, okay, the bottom 15 to 10% of the market, or you're going to cut off the top 15 to 10% of the market. That's what you're going to do. If you go after the people at the bottom, that bottom 15 to 10% that I just talked about, all right? then what you do is the other people that are in that, shall we say, um, fifth, or, uh, yeah, it would be um, 15, shall we say, to, we'll say, 80% or 70%, what they're exposed to is they're exposed to a lower quality of selection. 
which also installs lower price points, which then just further drives down your margins, your revenues, but also the quality of your customer itself. That's what it does. That, that's, that's just the God-honest truth about it. You know, when, when you as a consumer go into a store and you want to buy the cheapest thing they have, that will come back to get you later on, whether you realize it or not. When that, cons- when that retailer decides to get their next selection, their next lineup, what happens is this, is you don't get something as good as what you got the last time around. Computers are a, gr- a great example of that, you know. Back when, you know, me and Ryan used to work together in the computer department, you could have a single-core processor. Single-core processor could run everything that you needed to do. Well, they all were single-core at that point. Yeah, they were, yeah. Yeah, but but they could run everything that you needed to do, whether it was photo editing, video editing, didn't make a difference. You know, you were talking like, what, 128, bare minimum uh, in terms of RAM, 128, 512 really made it work. But what happened over time, what yep, happened over we were talking about the uh, copper mine era. Yeah. P3, right. 633s, and... That's right. Even a Duron. Remember the good old Duron? Remember that... that, that, that God, I still have that. Yeah, that's right. You know what Dude, I'm Dude, I've got my Duron. It's sitting in the goddamn closet, but I've got it. <laughs> yeah. But, like, back then, computers, although they were single ta- or single cores, actually could multitask and do things. Those computers, though, cost you like a thousand bucks. May cost you two thousand. Just depends on, on on what it is we're talking about. Now, fast forward, okay? Fast forward to today. You buy a computer, okay, that has dual core, but costs three hundred dollars. It can't run anything effectively. Like it can turn on. I mean, basically, that's what it's going to do. It's going to turn on, but it's not going to be able to multitask the way that single core could unteen years ago. In the same way that if you spend three times the amount and buy a $1,000 computer, all right, you buy a $1,000 computer, then even though it's a quote-unquote dual core, or it could be a quad core, either way, the class of the processor, like your i7 versus like your, your you know, which would be in your $1,000 computer, that thing there can multitask and do hardware acceleration to, like, no end. Versus that $300 computer that, like, literally, you know, which is like an AMD, like, E2 or whatever the hell it's going to be. Maybe an i3, if you're lucky. I don't know. Um, can barely do anything based on how the market runs today. And, and that's the key thing here that I, I, I'm, I'm getting at, which is... Because you opted from way back when to buy something cheap, your retailer says, well, people just want cheap things, so we're going to get more and more cheap things. So what you do is you get flooded with an entire aisle of $300 computers. And then off the next aisle over, you get computers that are like $1,000. But you can't sit up here and register the difference in the pricing because effectively your retailer tried to bring you in on a cheaper price point they tried to train you that we've got the best prices, meaning you can be as cheap as you want to, and now they want to sit up here and tell you that if you buy this $300 POS, you know, everything's going to work out just fine. Only to find out once when you buy it, it can't run anything in the way that that computer 
from 19 years ago that I talked about with the single core could, and there you go. You got to go back to a thousand dollars, but you can't register why you have to. You can't bring yourself to do it. You know, and, and that's and that's the thing of of where I see the issue being of trying to deal with Walmart's base. Simply put, you cannot sit up here and sell produce and high-end electronics in the same location at this given point in, in a retail environment. It may happen in the future, okay, but not in this given point in a retail environment, simply because your demographics are way too vast in there. I mean, granted, you'll get people who have money, but you're also going to have a lot of people who don't have money. And then, of course, you have, I want to say, loss prevention issues, and then you got marketing issues, and then it's like, how can you sit up here and say, right, right, well, you know what I'm saying. To be, I do, but to be fair, Walmart isn't trying to go after anyone higher. No, 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 no. We no, know no, no. where our consumer base are, and we're sticking there because we're perfectly happy with it. No, no. And no. this comes back to Best Buy going, mm-hmm. you can't go after the lower end because you guys tried that once. You remember what happened? Yeah, I do. You pissed off your mid-range people, and now you've got you had no one for quite a while, which was when everyone thought Best Buy was going out of business. Now you guys are finally able to say you're standing on your own two feet, you're going to be okay. And then the H.H. Craig falls, it's like, okay, what are you going to do going forward? Because you're kind of in the same boat that cellular companies are. There's 95% market saturation. There's no more getting new customers just because they don't have a cell phone. Now the only way you're going to get a new customer is by stealing someone else's. Well, the key- but I think it's kind of sad because AJ Square customers are either going to go to Best Buy or they're going to go to Walmart because there is no Costco's. There's no real micro like around here. There's no micro cities. There's no cho- choices. Yeah, I here's here's what I believe has to happen. Um, for Best Buy, what Best Buy has to do if it wants to stay on the level is it needs to get out of the whole mindset of trying to be everything to everyone, get back to its core base, which is this. With Best Buy, you may want to go to Millennials, all right, but the fact is Millennials, which are not even... Anyways, I'll just I'll just say it like this, okay? You may want to go to a younger base, okay, which gives you a bigger pool to pull from. But that base eventually gets older, meaning that you may be 20 now, but eventually you'll be 35. When you're 35, you'll have more money than when you're 20. I mean, like this just is how it works, okay? So Best Buy has to not try to market to the lower end consumer in that respect. It has to understand that it built its empire. It is an empire, but only within a certain demographic of age and income and, and I want to say other things that you could throw out, throw out as stats, but that is that. It's as simple as that. That is what will make Best Buy Best Buy, and that's what will keep Best Buy thriving because that's what you need in order to move forward in the market. Sometimes it's not about expanding. It's not about growing in a traditional sense. What you have to do is just, I I hate to say this, but survive, you know, the environment 
until there is an area of opportunity of true growth and then capitalize on that growth for what it is. You know, so... In right. Best Buy, right. No, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm just going to say real quickly here. I, it's, I think with Best Buy, right. it's understanding the technologies of the time and playing to those technologies of the time. Like, let's be honest here. The only reason why Best Buy did as good as it did way back when was because Best Buy was able to skillfully execute the abilities of saying, okay, this is a Celeron, this is a Pentium 2, or this is a Celeron, this is a Pentium 3. No, you're not overclocking the Celeron to make it a Pentium 3. It's not going to work. If you want to make, if you want to take the Celeron to make it a Pentium 3, here's a $400 video card, stick it in there. You know, like, that's what, that's what was able to drive Best Buy. It was those kind of things. It was like the yes and no's. There's no in-between. You know, that, that's well, what I was going to say is, going to your point of millennials, if Best Buy is smart, they're going to focus at the 30 to 50-year-old range. Yeah, you're right. And what I mean is, whether we're talking about uh, somebody that's 40 years old today, or is going to be 40 year old, years old next year or 40 years old 10 years from now the point will still stand there's going to be a point where somebody who two years ago would have no problem downloading it online and just waiting for it to show up where they're going to have the money they're going like you know what fuck it I'm just going to drive to Best Buy and get it today why would I bother yeah you're right and Doug you know me Back in the day, I used to download everything. I wouldn't pay for a goddamn piece of software if I had to. Not since I bought that original Celeron 166 that had by an operating system. Now, I'm 38 years old. I don't care. It is not worth my time yes. to have to download a game and then download a crack and then make sure it works, and oh, now it no longer works because there's a patch out that it's not compatible. I spend the $40 and just, here, take my money, give me my game, and leave me the fuck alone. And that is where Best Buy is going to be able to grasp hold of something. They're never going to be able to get money from the 20-year-olds because they're going to buy from Amazon. 40-year-olds, we don't have time for that shit. Here's my money, just give me what I want. Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. I mean, like it's um, you're 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 right 100. percent I mean, I I find myself inching closer and closer to actually buying an antivirus. You know, like just paying. Completely. Yeah, I'm not that far. Sorry. Huh? <laughs> I said I haven't gotten that far. Sorry. No, no, no. I haven't either. I'm getting there though. I'm getting there though. And honestly, as the oldest millennial, okay, like basically, um. You know, I hit I hit the age of the oldest millennial, okay? Um, which, the truth is, millennials are not even a fucking demographic. It's just Generation X. That's what it is. This is what kills me about this whole shit, okay? Like, Best Buy and all these retailers came up with a fictitious customer base and then sat up here and said, this is what we're going to call them. And that's what they got to do. They got to cut this shit out. You don't need to come up with fictitious customer bases, all you need to do is look at age group. You need to look at sex. You need to look at, I want to say, 
um, living status. And then from there, look at what does Google find for their behaviors, pay Google what you need to to get their information, and then from there, market yourself based upon their needs. That's really what it is. And it goes exactly to what you said. I'm at an age now where the the only reason why realistically I will, and this is Best Buy's fault, I will sit up here and get online and do the things that you won't do in terms of downloading, cracking, so on and so forth, is because you can't get it any other way. Due to the fact that the consumer has cheapened themselves out to a point where you can't get certain things that you want in the market anymore because the consumer has just basically cut their, you know, basically uh, cut off their foot despite their leg. I mean, like, that's, that's what they've done you know, or cut off their leg despite their foot. And it's like if you... Right, no, I get, I get what you mean. Yeah, that's right, yeah. If, if, you, if you want certain things, you can't have these things in the market anymore because you have, like, retailers like Best Buy that are trying to compete with Walmarts and saying, okay, we're going to lower our product line. Well, you lower your product line, and then I can't find what I need, which then forces me to go online which then forces me to expose myself to all these other avenues of acquiring things. And then I ask myself, why do I actually need Best Buy? That's what it does. And this is my ultimate point to it, which is that's what Best Buy doesn't need to be doing. You don't need to sit up here and basically wipe out the competition to a point where you killed off H.H. Gregg, but now you've got 20 other retailers to deal with. That, That just doesn't make any sense. In the same way that you don't need to compete with Walmart in terms of pricing and stuff like that within a product line, I'm talking here, where basically you open yourself up to 20 of the retailers, okay? So bumping off competition to a degree makes sense. To to another degree, what you have to remember is if Circuit City would have stayed around, if it would have stayed around on life support, and I'm purely talking life support here, okay? If Best Buy could have kept it around on life support, or Best Buy could have basically evened out Circuit City so they were, like, in the zone of H.H. Gregg, all right, took it down a couple notches, you would have a much healthier retail environment when it comes to product selection, and also your consumer would be spending more as well, especially in a, in, in a consumer where you have a lot of redundancy in product. I mean, my phone can do what my tablet can do. My tablet, for all practical purposes, can do what my computer can do. You know, and my computer from eight years ago, nine years ago, can do everything that a computer for seven hundred, eight hundred dollars can do today. You know, I mean, it's just it may be a little bigger and bulkier. Battery life may not be as good, but that's the truth. I mean, like the, the redundancy in the market, and this comes down to it being Best Buy's fault. You can't have redundancy in your product line and then expect people to spend more money when you're trying to just offer them the same cheap crap as before. You can't, you can't do that. That's another problem with, with offering cheap product is the redundancy in the, in, in, in the market. So you've got to realize if you're going to yeah. sell this device and it's going to cost $300, that $300 potentially, look at an iPad, can hold them over for a number of years. And you ain't going to get nothing in that time frame. And to be fair, I'm going to take this to another 
another area which is going to move it more towards back with the Xenoverse of Born lot. Did you see the news article saying that GameStop is closing 150 stores? No, but I expected that a while ago. Um, they, they've outlived their use okay. of this. Like, <laughs> to no well, end. Well, the article dealt with... Let me see if I can pull up my computer real quick. I know I can. But the article dealt with stating that the reason why... GameStop was going to have to sell or close so many stores. Wait a minute, can I, can I take a guess before we do it? Go for it. I'm going to go based on digital downloads, and also I'm going to go based on, um, uh, I don't want to say refurb games, but basically trade-ins. Very close. Okay, all right. Shares of GameStop is split more than 12%, and they're stating that... They're closing 100, at least 150 stores of the 7,500 worldwide. They're saying they face increased competition from retailers such as Amazon, Best Buy, and Walmart, while more players purchase games digitally, whether on traditional gaming platforms or their smartphones and tablets. They're saying that people are buying the games digitally and not buying the actual disc. Now... Having said that, look at the latest Mass Effect game for PC. You know what Mass Effect is, right, Doug? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. At Walmart, or at Best Buy, are you guys selling the game on PC? Do you know? Uh, I haven't noticed. We, yeah, uh, okay, if you, I think so. I only sold, like, two of them. And that was for Xbox and for... Well, technically, I sold eight copies. It was four of to one customer reseller, I think, actually. But anyways, I think we are doing it for PC. I could be wrong about that, though. I, I think I could be wrong. Okay. You're not selling it for PC if you are selling it for PC. Okay. You've got your... You've got your disc case, whatever you want to call it, that looks exactly like there's supposed to be something in it. And it's just right in the front, digital download only... Now, disc inside. If I'm going to a GameStop or I'm going to a Best Buy and buying the goddamn game, and then there's nothing inside but a digital download code, why don't I just buy it from Steam to begin with? Why would I even bother going to GameStop? Saying that it's the consumer's fault because the consumer is going out there and buying it from the store only, and they're not going into the actual physical stores to buy the games, it's not the consumer. It's the goddamn industry that's doing it. Yeah. You're right. It's, well, you know, it, it's it's hypocritical of the industry. These same people who, who are trying to stop piracy, they were all doing piracy before. They were all doing it before. Oh, definitely. And, and if you have a problem with piracy, then here's an idea. Get rid of your iTunes. Get rid of your Napster. Go ahead and do what Metallica said. See how everybody wants to... Uh, just just see. Just get rid of MP3s. Get rid of everything digitally. Only go to optical disk drives. And, and in fact, no, we don't even do optical disk drives. We do cartridges. That's what you'd have to do. Effectively, your cartridges. And then see how everybody likes it. Actually, cartridges probably technically do better in today's age. But you get my point of what I'm saying, which are still technically digital. But my, my point is this. 
first off, the industry is never going to win because its problem is it makes shitty ass games. That's just what happens there. If, if you're going to have someone pay for a game for sixty dollars and they're going to get like four hours to six hours of gameplay out of it, tops and no replay value, then then you damn well better believe at, they're going to be like pirating that bitch. That's what's going to happen there. When you put it over to the retailer... No, 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 no. Let's go back to that real quick, though, because I'm going to point out uh, the Tomb Raider game, not the latest one that came out, but the reboot that came out three, four years ago. Yeah. I want, I wanted that for PC, because I had two GeForce GTX 680s and SLI, and I wanted a game to showcase what my system could actually do, and that was the latest and greatest game that came out. And I was in that boat. I went to the GameStop. I bought the game. I got home, put the disc in, only to find out that the first four gigs of the game was on the goddamn disc. And the rest of the game I had to download from Steam. Well, that was going to bring me to my next point, which is okay. retailers and how they're dealing with basically the content itself, like how they want to actually sell it. You know, I, I, I don't know if it really makes sense to buy video games anymore unless, if I'm a retailer, unless the retailer makes demands in the sense of, look, however you make this game, you got to put it on disc one, disc two, disc three, disc four. That's what you're going to have to do. Number one. Number two, what the hell was Blu-ray right, because for? Honestly, if like like what? Well, well, I'm just gonna say honestly, if I gotta go, if I have to download the game anyways, what's to stop me from downloading the crack version? Yeah, you're. It's right. not hard to do. You're you're completely right. You, you're I'm going in there. I'm buying the disc because I don't want to have to download it. And you guys are still forcing me to download it. I'm spending a thousand dollars on a PC. Because I want the best gaming experience I can obviously get, and then you're going to give me a subpar way of getting those games. Mm-hmm. It's asinine, dude. That's right. I, I agree 100%. I, I, like I said, I believe that, like, when you talk about that, and that goes right back to what I had said originally about being in a, in a higher retail format, okay, or trying to appeal to a higher, a higher demographic. When, when a higher, basically when a, I will say affluent, okay, affluent customer base says they want it now. They're willing to spend more to get it now. Not like, here, give it to me, you know, in bits and pieces, and then, you know, I'll sit up here and get the rest of it, like, you know, two hours from now, or some shit like that. They, it's on demand. They made the trip there. They they want it right now. You know, now, if you're out of stock, that's one thing. You know, that, that's entirely different. That's called supply and demand. All right? And that can always be fixed. But to the point of what you're talking about, it all comes down to Star Wars. That latest Star Wars Battlefront game they did, where <laughs> they have you spend like oh, God, that was a game, and then the digital download was another 80, and then it's like you're not even fighting in damn space, and it's like, what the hell is this? You know, but but again, that right there comes down to 
that's and that's my whole point on the development into things where I, where I'm talking to describe games, but retailers like GameStop needs to look at it and say, okay, what makes sense for actual business? That's and closing stores is not your in that your reasoning for closing stores is not that's not that's not a a way of solving the issue. You know, GameStop what it needs to do honestly is it needs to become what Best Buy was in the nineties. You know, you remember that big-ass Mario display? You know? Yep. Yeah, that's right. That's what you got to do. You got to turn on the fun. GameStop is one of these weird-ass people that stand outside their store for God knows how long. You know, it, it's it's like they're going to, like, like a nightclub or something. And, like... I don't know. It's just like they don't seem to click with these people. Would not be allowed to stand in the nightclub line. There'd be like a bouncer walking around going, "No, no, no! You're not even allowed to stand in line. Get the fuck out." Yeah, I mean, I feel like with GameStop, GameStop cannot match. It's they don't connect with their customers anymore. That's realistically what it is. They don't. Did they ever do it? I honestly don't believe that they did. I believe that it was more of an elitist niche. That's what I think it was, to tell you that, just to be perfectly honest. I always thought GameStop was more of an elitist niche. Like, it's like, oh, I'm too good to go to Best Buy or go somewhere else. I'll go to GameStop. Yeah, that will make me a gamer because I went to GameStop. Because it just had, you know, game there. You know, it just, yeah. But elitist niche is what I'd give it. Right, well, well, no, I was going to say, remember, we used to go to EB Games. It wasn't GameStop at that point. When it switched to GameStop, it was like, okay, what happened to my EB Games? Yeah. What the fuck is this? You guys don't even sell video cards here anymore. My first video card I ever bought was at an EB Games. And I bought a Voodoo 2 before I even met you. And I loved I saw that card in my basement. This is fucking, God, 20 years old video card. Still down there. And I remember where I bought it. I spent $200 for it, and I, that card got me through quite a long time in video gaming. Dude, that's a long-ass time. I remember selling Voodoo Shoes. I got two of them. I could do SOI on it. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. I... Oh, wow. Yeah, that... that well, that was back when, I want to say, you're correct, with EB Games, and you're also talking about a different culture. Uh, you're talking about some yep. hardware that connects. I mean, and that's partly what GameStop needs to do. They need to become more PC-oriented. They need to start selling hardware. They need to basically become a, a gaming boutique, if you will. I Like, that's, that's where I would start. But also, they probably should bleed into multimedia in terms of anime and stuff like that. I mean, like, as as weird as it might sound to the people here on the podcast, look, there is a thirst out there for, man, I really hate saying this, but it is true, a thirst out there for a, a place where you can go to get anime and feel clean after you walk out of the building. There, there you go, GameStop, right there. I just gave you your business plan to save your ass, right there. It's called PC Parts. Gaming parts, that is. Becoming a gaming boutique. Anime entertainment. And the, the whole video game thing, you'll figure that out somehow. You'll figure it out somehow, I'm quite sure. 
Um, but no, if for, for them, it's, it, it, I really do believe it's about finding alternate revenue streams. I think anime makes perfect sense. I think PC hardware makes perfect sense. And then, of course, trying to re-solidify themselves as GameStop in the sense of console gaming. That's what I think. I think if they do those three things, they'll be fine. But that also means they can't be like the size of my parents' garage in terms of an actual store. they got to be bigger. Or what they got to do is get rid of a lot of that redundancy in terms of, you know, use game bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't need, like, 50 fucking copies there. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, but that's that's what they need to do, and I think they'll be fine. It's not over for them. But I, I never thought that they were going to make it further than what they have without making those changes. You know? Um, but, yeah, that, that's just to answer well, your question. We've, we've, right, well, we've spent way too much time on this topic, so let's get to the mod. Okay, all right, cool. Um, to be fair, my big thing with the mod is, my question to you, are we ready for the release? Because I haven't done any changes other than the last one you sent me to ask. I haven't done any of the actual, like, the changes I was talking to you about, about, uh, is this a fair way of showing it or that a fair way of showing the units? I haven't changed any of the stats yet. I'm asking you from the last version you got, is that releasable tomorrow if I needed to do it? So here's here's what I believe. Okay, all right, because I've been thinking about this. Um, and, and here's something you got to understand, guys. Uh, there are times when me and Ryan are basically thinking the same thing or we're both within the same zone and we haven't even talked to each other about about it. I mean, and this is why we can work as well as we do. And, and here's here's what I believe, okay? I believe this. You either release it tomorrow or you put wing in. That's exactly what I believe. And, and, and here's why I believe this, all right? That's what I was thinking. Okay, all right, cool, all right. Here's why I believe this. Um, I feel that this release was unfair. I think it was totally unfair. What I mean by that is this, is that I don't think we did something wrong. I think we did a lot of things right. I think that we gave people something because we said we were going to give them something and there were so many things that were being done, just so many things that were being done that, you know, it, there was a lot more stuff that needed to be worked on. I'll put, I'll just put it like that, okay? But in the way that they took it the last time around, meaning that you guys listening to this, of course, when I say they, because I'm not talking like me and Ryan, okay, um, in the way that they took it the last time around, um... I still believe, to a degree, you are going to have, you know, um, inefficiencies that they're going to bitch about. I still believe that you're going to have a lot of the same issues to why they cannot win. I still believe you're going to have the same, I'm not going to use the word redundant, because I've already used that a couple times now, but redundant, you know, um shall we just say chatter that we always tend to hear. I don't think any of that's realistically going to change. I think doing the release from a crash standpoint would make sense. Okay. So if we were doing it to basically eliminate the crash issue, all right, that to me is fair. 
Beyond that, though, I look at it honestly, and I say, listen, these guys need to wait until we get further in our development, purely because it is clear they do not have the overall frame of mind to absorb the project that we're doing. And and I this is not to insult anybody. I mean, the, the fact is what you, the listener, have to understand is this. You're going on this journey with us, okay? We just decided after unteen, you know, years of doing this to let you actually get in on this and feel out the development process of how we're actually doing this. You know, like, realistically, you just dropped into it this year. We've been doing this for a number of years, okay? So it's not like you started with us to see where we started versus where we are today. Had you done that, you'd be like, wow, you guys made some real progress. You're looking at it and just saying, and okay. to be fair, yeah. Well, I was going to say, to be fair, we got shoved into the spotlight well before we actually planned on releasing anything to anyone because that one guy took our mod and then tried to make it his own on ModDB. Remember that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, no, I've forgotten that. Um, and that is something. I mean, like, the fact I'm just saying we didn't do it on purpose. Th that, that is correct. And, and you know what? And, and that's true. Yeah, I... And to my point to what I was, I was just saying, but you are correct about that, is that basically, if you want to think of this, think of it like as, as an actual, uh, you know, Dragon Ball Z series. I'm just going to use Dragon Ball Z because I've already used it once. Okay, but you're not starting off, you know, with the Saiyan saga. Basically, you guys are somewhere in, I want to say, like, the evil boo, you know, <laughs> like the, the evil boo, you know, um, time, you know, timeline of uh, Dragon Ball Z. Okay, so it's not like you've even seen Majin Buu. You're just like stuck with Evil Buu right now, going, "What the fuck's going on here?" You know, I see like Evil Buu and and I don't even know what else. Um, but to my point of this, effectively, is this: is that you're not starting from the jump. Okay, so there's no way we are going to be able to make up for you in terms of your overall satisfaction of how you're expecting this to work from a beginning to a middle to an end. And the reason for it is. This is this is actually in development. It's like they want an end product. Like, they want the whole story. They want the, you know, they want everything to work perfectly. They want this, that, and the other. They're just not going to get that. So, I could say, do the release only for the crashing aspect of it. I would say that. But beyond that, it's just, you know, we do what we need to do. We go on to wing. And then after we have wing in they're able to sit up here and have more balance of an income uh, set up with, I want to say, the Earth Federation, plus all the other things that, you know, they would be looking at in regards to, I would assume at this point, Scran, Nod, um, for what it's worth, you know, GDI or whatever. But um, that's that's really where I'm, I'm sitting with this right now. I, I think that we have given them a lot. I think the stability is the only thing on which they can really nail us on, is it just wasn't totally stable, which there were reasons for that. I well, yeah, well, I agree. Remember, it was like a day after it came out, I sent you an email yeah. or a text message saying, dude, we need to fix this stuff and we need to get a, a release out right away. And you're like, well, wait a minute, let's find out more information. Like, no, it's not right. Mm -hmm. This is crashing and... It was the uh, white base. It's like, we can't leave the white base turning into a Kodiak. It doesn't work. Yeah, that's right, yeah. 
That's right. And I mean, the, 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 and, and the reason for wanting to find out more was to see exactly what issues that other people were having, okay? So there are certain things that we've been able to fix. I don't think that that's a problem at all, okay? Uh, and, and I think that that's, again, that's totally fine. In terms of what people are liking and disliking, okay, we have a clear understanding of where that is, all right? And we've been able to address some of that. For example, the story. You know, um, whether we would have done a release or not, that wouldn't have fixed us explaining the story. I mean, that, that's just that. Um, but also, in terms of, like, for example, the screen, the fact that we had to sit up here and change that modular, you know, uh, n- not modular, but the, um, we'll just say the weapon effects, okay, of, of the planetary assault carrier, okay? Um, but that, yeah, how do you like that switch? Yeah, that's right, yeah. I mean... Like, those things, we just couldn't do quickly. Um, but now the game is stable enough where if they want to make it work, you know, they can now make it work. So I don't have a problem with that now. The other thing is, like, when you're talking about uh, the raid not having a head, that's why I didn't like the picture. I didn't realize the thing didn't have its, its head was missing. Remember when I asked you to send it to me? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's right. That's because when I was looking at the picture, I'm like, wait a minute, this just doesn't look right. I couldn't... Yeah, and I couldn't figure out why it was compiling that way, because it wasn't... Obviously, if I go to 3D Studio Max, it showed up the head. I yeah. It took forever to figure it out. In the end, I actually had to make it a completely separate model and tell the game to ignore the original. Yeah, and I mean, I mean like, those are the kind of things that... Because we've we've squared away all that quote unquote stuff, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it can just basically you can kick it off to them and say, here, this is the uh, the fixed version of it. Bam, there you go. Have a nice day. We're we're moving on to our next now, and we can do it like that. Like I, I, I wouldn't say that we need to basically come up with a brand new this that and the other. And then drop it on them. I mean, this is, if, if we're going to drop it on them, it is purely done in one of two ways. We either wait for stage two, or we drop it on them tomorrow if you want to do that, because the crashes have been resolved. That's that's why we do that. I'm thinking, I'm thinking we do a release tomorrow. Right. I'm cool with that. I'm going to have something up there for them tomorrow. It's going to be the non-crashing update with the others. I mean, we do have some stuff up there that's different. I've put the yeah, white dingo in there. We've got the new quell customs in there. I mean, there's some yeah, there's things for them to play with. Yeah. But that's always the number one complaint is it takes us forever to do an update. It's like, listen, it's just me and you. Well, I mean... It's going to take a while because, honestly, I take a while to make sure I'm ready to release something. That's right, and, and the other thing is this, is that they don't understand entirely, and I think now that they're beginning to understand, and this is one of the reasons why I opted to do the podcast, um, it's the development process. You know, it, it really is. It's the development process. You know, it's it, it comes down to, it's real easy to sit at a lunch table and say, wow, I'd make a game, and this is how I'd make a game. It's another thing entirely to say, wow, I'm going to sit up here and make a game, this is how I'm going to make a game, and then your partner says, uh, dude, we can't do it like this, this is the framework that we've got to work within, 
And then based on the framework that you can work within, you then have to think it through with those uh, laws of the universe, if you'd like to think of it like that. I mean, th- those are two totally different things. So I-, I don't think the pace there's anything wrong. I think that this has definitely furthered us for our ability to develop any project we want in the future. I mean, that we are going to develop in the future. You know, so this is one of those things where I don't, it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, like, I understand what you're saying, though, with people saying, ah, you know, you guys take too long. But it's like, okay, well, what do you guys want to do? You guys want to make some models for us? You guys want to sit up here and do this, that, and the other? Well, no, if you don't, then shut the hell up and just wait for your game. You know, that that's honestly what I'm going to tell you. That's exactly what I would tell you. I mean, we could sit up here and do what everybody else does and say, we're closing down the mod. We're moving on to our own project. You know, we could do one of those. Like, yeah, no, that's not happening. No, no, we're no, finishing no, this goddamn thing. Like that, it, but, but that's what happens a lot of the time. You know, when you start... Right, and to and, be fair, we did... Oh, go right ahead. Right, but to be fair, so that everyone understands, we did say this mod is going to take 10 years to do. Yeah, we did. Back in 2010, I'm sure there's one of the Robotech fan podcasts when we did it. That was our, well, I guess it was the ultimatum. I was like, listen, if it's not done in 10 years, it's not going to happen. We got three more years left to go, but we finally hit the point where now it's all downhill. Mm-hmm. We're adding stuff in, we're tweaking stuff, we're getting things done, but the core gameplay is all figured out. Everything is figured out. The coding's figured out. It's just a matter of sticking things in right to make it work. That's right. I agree with you 100%, because that's exactly what so, I mean. Yeah, we're going to be there. It's going to be done. Just, you got to give us some time. And the other thing is, it takes insane discipline. It does. Like, you guys have no clue. And, it's, and, and understand, when I say you have no clue, I don't mean, like, you couldn't grasp the concept of what I'm talking about here. Otherwise, I just wouldn't waste my time talking about it. But you guys have no clue how hard it is to sit up here and say... We're going to cut this mobile suit, and we'll just keep this mobile suit right here. That is probably, throughout this entire duration, what has been, honestly, the toughest thing. I'm sure Ryan listens to me sometimes and says, dude, we don't need all this. We just, we don't need all this. Oh, my God, is Doug trying to sit up here and make these, these Gundam versus games? You know, I mean... Yeah. But Gun it, tanks, Doug? On what? Gun tanks? We don't need gun tanks. You keep pushing to put them in. What are you talking about? Finally, I gave it to you in an alternative form, but just because we don't need it. Oh, oh wait a minute here. That was one thing I was going to ask you. Okay, for that for that thing, can you put the, um, what the hell is it, the, the gun tank? instead of? Having- no, I'm not putting the goddamn guns on the gun tank. No. I'm not doing it. I'm not saying put the guns on the gun tank. It was supposed to be the crane things. Remember? Just those things that stick out? They're supposed to be like... Fucking yeah, they're there somewhere. Yeah, four of the I'll, I'll look at the code. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've still got that somewhere. I was going to say, I'm not giving you a gun. You're out of luck there. No, no, you're not. And I just want to fill that, 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 that gap there. That just looks weird. So, yeah. Um, I'll send you a picture of it again. I mean, we're just talking crane arms. That's all, the, that's all it is. Uh, I, I don't need a picture. I've got it still coded from originally. I just got to figure out what model name it was 
until to use it because that was the first time I was trying to do a, oh, okay. a single model and have the weapons be different secondary models on top of the primary model. Okay, all right. Okay. Um, so, no, no, it's, it, yeah, you got to learn how to cut things out. And cutting things out is what kills probably more mods than anything else. I'm like, how many mods do you sit up here and see where it's like, we've got new units. we got like 120 new units. we got 300 new units. we got got 1,000 new units. You know, it's like, dude, you guys have been working on this thing for about 20 years now. How many more <laughs> new units are you going to put in the game? You know? And then it's like, okay, what's well, It's not even that, though. I mean, look, it's, it's the AI that I don't understand. Everyone wants to put new units in. Look how many different designs we've come up with that if it was just players playing it, it would be beautiful. But the AI can't do it. I don't understand why other mods want to make a new design with new units and not even attempt to put an AI to it. And then they go, well, we'll get to that later. And then it never happens. Why would you bother? Because the AI is not that hard to understand. It comes down to this. They're greedy as fuck. That's what it is. I just be honest about it. They're greedy. Like, the whole thing is, I want to have mine in there. Whatever mine is, you know. And I'm not saying I want mine in there. I'm just saying, when people develop stuff, they want to put in there what they want to put in there, regardless of whether it makes sense, whether it's balanced, whether the AI can use it. Take any one of those three or all three, and that's always the case. And that is why you have these games that are so in many respects, like mods, that start off as good concepts. Like, it's like, okay, this portion of it's good. But then you start looking at other portions of it, and you're like, yeah, I don't really know about that. I don't know about that. But then partly it comes down to the fact that it's not balanced with anything else. Like, for example, one way to balance a faction is to say, is this actually usable by the AI? If it's not usable by the AI, then it's not balanced. You know, it's like, what's the point of having a super weapon or having an ultimate mech there that the AI could never utilize because the abilities that you're giving it are just not understandable? You know, and then how fair is that? It just, just on its face, meaning that how are you going to create an entity or create something that is so advanced, so powerful, however you want to phrase it, okay, so cool and awesome that the AI could never execute it against you, but you can execute it against the AI. Like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, that's not like a level playing field. So I agree with you 100% there. I, I agree. Well, let's look at uh, GDI real quick. Remember the first couple times we tried to do the Rex? Yeah. The AI had no way of doing it. It didn't do it. It was like, no, I don't want that. I want a Predator. No, that makes no sense. I don't even understand what the hell that is. Now that we finally figured out how the AI wants the Rex and likes it, that thing is a pain in the ass when the AI drops that in. If you haven't got a plan set up for that, you're going to get fucked at that point. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it doesn't play around with Rex. It doesn't. It wants to deploy it in a certain way. It likes to use it in a certain way, and it works in the way that, that it wants to go about it. So I'm like, I'm, I'm totally fine. I'm honestly totally fine with how like right. how all that stuff is laid out. So am I, but my point is, if it would have stuck to the original Rex design, the AI never would have used it. How fair would that have been? No, well, no, that wouldn't have. That would have put GDI at a huge disadvantage. 
And, and that's the thing that people don't understand is that, like, if the AI doesn't use something, then that's a portion of overall power that's not being utilized against you. That kills on your experience. But more importantly than that, let's say that you want to play up against somebody, okay? And you each are going to have an AI partner, because you just play that way. I mean, like, I don't understand how, why people play like that unless they just suck, but let's just say that you play that way, okay, where where you want to have an AI partner, okay? What good is it to have an AI partner if the only thing they can do is produce Tier 1 units out of, like, 1 through 4 tiers worth of units? You and, know, like that, and to be fair, that, no, to be fair, that is a problem of the CNC3 engine that we did not know about when we started doing this. Yeah. Partner AIs are a bad idea. You will have a harder time fighting two AIs that go against each other than you will if you make them partners. You make them partners, they're going to be a cakewalk. I don't understand why, but just don't do partner AIs. It's not worth it. You're going to weaken yourself doing that. Well, th that's correct. And, you know, to that point, all these people who do these videos, like, here, I took on, like, eight AIs at one time. Yeah, you took on eight AI AIs at one time, and you beat them, not because you were good, it's just they sucked. But I if you notice, with just EA in general, um, their decline in AI has been going since, I want to say, the original uh, generals. Like, if you take zero hour, AI sucked. You take CNC3, the AI basically sucks. You take, God knows, like Kane's Wrath, like economy sucks and AI sucks. I mean, there are a lot of things that you can look at and say, okay, this is what it is. But I think also it's part of the balancing. I think part of it, what it comes down to is they are so high strung on having a game that does not crash. They know if they block the AI off, in certain parameters. They know if you can only absorb so much eco throughout per second, then you'll never hit a certain unit count. You'll never be able to sit up here and basically dish out that epicness on the battlefield. Um, and the game will never crash. I mean, simply put, that's just how it works. I, I'm really starting to believe now that's how this all works, is that it was all intentional, it is to a degree. Yeah, yeah, just so that the game doesn't crash. I mean, like, really, that's that's what it is. And then, of course, let us not forget the it's not, digital download. Like, in terms of we can always build an expansion pack and fix it. I think Kane's Wrath was an example to modders to show them what can be done using the mod tools. And to that degree, they did a great job. But from a actual, this is a mod expansion, it was a joke because it wasn't an expansion, it was a mod. But that's neither here nor there. Let's go back to what you said about uh, brain fart. Great, now I feel stupid. Now, um, to the AI where it got worse and worse, and how the economy has a play in that. One of the first things that we did is we pulled out all the cheats for the AI. Everyone knows that at this point. Our AI does not cheat. It is set to 100%, period. 
EPA's brutal AI was set to 150%, meaning that it only paid a quarter or two-thirds of what you were paying to make insurance and it was building them two-thirds quicker. It wasn't fair. Why would you call your AI brutal? You might as well call it cheating AI. Money that's not brutal. That's cheating. I'm sorry. What's that? I said it's money laundering. That's what the fuck it is. It's embezzlement. It's bullshit. Bait and it's bullshit. <laughs> and that comes back to why we have a general rule for every single faction we put into the game. Every faction has to have a secondary income source. And a secondary source could be more effective than the primary source, which every faction pretty much shares, which is Tiberium. That secondary source is what really unlocks the AI's ability to do what it does. Yeah, you're right. And and the thing is, I don't think a lot of people understand how long it takes sometimes to develop the concept of a secondary income source. It, it's not easy to sit up here. Not and when you're forced to a basic single source. I mean, yeah, we only have two choices. It's going to be power. Or it's going to be income and. Yeah, I has to base everything off of its income to expand, so that leads to a very hard-to-do system. That's right. And, and I think that's something that, like, when when you think what takes you guys so long to figure things out, what we have to think of, uh, we have to think of concepts of economies that are different but are applicable to the actual faction. Like, like, you can't sit up here and say, like, for example, with the Earth Federation, the UC section of it, well, you guys are going to go out and just harvest Tiberium to no end. Because realistically, UC doesn't want to do that. That's not what they do. They are so advanced in terms of their economy play that you're talking about units that need to be deployed on the battlefield that need to get beyond the concept of you pay for it, time, and then, okay, it can be produced from a factory. Like, you got to skip through a couple steps and say, here you go, this is how it's going to work. The key is, how do you legitimately get there? You know, and, and I think that that's one of the things that we have gotten really, really good at is the legitimacy aspect of things. Keeping it balanced while still keeping it legitimate. I can agree with that. You know, uh, yeah, because I, I honestly do think that we, 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 that's what we are like the masters of at this point. Among other things, I, I definitely say that. And you don't see that from any other mod. You don't see secondary economies. You don't sit up here and see um, the concept of being able to use eco. And, and, and now we're at a point where we're looking at eco in, in a completely different way. Most people just look at Tiberium as just a source of, I don't know, income. We're looking at Tiberium in, in very, very different ways than what we have in the past. And this is something that me and, and Ryan have talked about numerous times. You know, it just comes down to the concept of execution that we want to have, and is it worth it to make that investment in it to find out if it's going to work or not? You know, so like, for example, the Scrin. For those of you who, who don't know, um, the Scrin are heavily eco-based. But there's a difference between just collecting eco for income, and then using eco as an actual driver mechanism to make yourself more powerful. And I'm not talking some bullshit like, you know, uh, 
Tiberium charge system where a unit has to be manually clicked onto a Tiberium field to, you know, basically eat the Tiberium and then use it as a, a, uh, overcharger in order to fire a more powerful beam or some bullshit like that. I'm not talking that stuff. Because AI will never do that anyways. I mean, like, I've never seen it do it. So... Nope. It's coded not to. It's coded to ignore it, just like it's coded to ignore the uh, rig. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, like, those things make no... make no sense whatsoever. And, and to the point of that, that's where we have to sit down and actually come up with ideas around that. You know, like, for example, a Tiberium beam. What way can you legitimately get a Tiberium beam? When does it make sense to use a Tiberium beam? So on and so forth. Okay, all right, so we can do a Tiberium beam based on, you know, situations X, Y, or Z, okay? Then which situation is best for this given faction? Are the other situations even applicable to the faction? Like, these are the kind of things that we have to work through, and, and, and we do work through, in order to deliver that experience that you're looking for. Um, free mobile suit drops, you know, or, or uh, I want to say um, mission script mobile suit drops. Most people would sit up here and shit their pants if you sat up here and said, listen, you're going to go up against a faction where your opposing player is going to get units that are going to drop in for free based on how he succeeds in his mission scripting against you. Most people would shit their pants, and they'd say that's totally unfair. But somehow, some way... Not just free units, Doug. Huh? Not, not, just, not just free units, better units. Yeah, better units, that's correct. Free better units. Yeah, free better units. But somehow, some shape, some way, some form, we were able to sit up here and make it work. We were able to balance it out. We did that, you know? I mean, hell, the Earth Federation AI still can't make it past medium. Just doesn't do it. You know, you can try if you want to, but it, it, it realistically can't deal with a nod or a, a G. I think it has to do with the map. You think, you really think it has to do with the map? I do. If you have a map that has a huge Tiberium field in the middle of this map and the Earth Federation can get there, nothing can stop them. If you pick any of these maps that does not, that has fair, generic fields spread out completely across the map, then yes, there's no way a medium AI or Earth Federation can deal hard. It's not going to happen. Because those maps that have that giant field in the middle, they take it. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. I mean, they have to do that. And the other faction cannot have made it there. Like, if they, if they make it there and just start, start popping gun tanks, it's, it's over for the Earth Federation. I mean, the Earth Federation stands a chance. I guess I had to correct myself on that. I'll correct myself on that. But I, I'm, I'm basically... Well, I'm just I'm, saying from my own personal experience, yeah. when I'm playing, if the map has a large field in the middle, that's like I'll build two of the hover APCs. One will go to my secondary base location, and the other one goes there. If I can build a foothold right there, those gun tanks start coming off. I build three or four refineries just to get those gun tanks out there to start destroying that Tiberium. It's over. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.